0: Hi, my name is Susan. I've been arrested 32 times just for listening to people talk with each other. The problem was I used to hide in the bushes outside the windows of people's homes to enjoy listening to strangers talk to each other. It's just something I like to do. I get bored and lonely sometimes you know hey susan don't do all that there's another way to enjoy random conversations now thanks to the podcast show i can enjoy listening to conversations with strangers and learn something new every week no more listening outside the window just to enjoy a good conversation tune in weekly on wednesdays and subscribe for updates on your favorite platform to the ToddCast show and help our podcast family continue to grow and share around the world. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the seventh episode of the ToddCast show. My name is Todd Murat, your host, and I'm so excited to set out on this podcast journey with all of you. You can catch new episodes on Wednesday mornings at midnight Pacific, 3 a.m. Eastern, and for playback anytime you like on your computer or smart device via our website at ToddCastShow.com. We're still adding the show to directories, and soon you'll be able to tune in via your favorite podcast listening platform like iTunes, Amazon, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Deezer, and others. Be sure to stay tuned for the updates. Now, let's get on with the show. So today, I'm going to do another one-on-one with you, the listener. And it's been weighing on my heart a lot to speak to you about parenting. And in my own experience... um, Some of the things, you know, from being from a single-parent family. And uh, some of the things I was blessed to get having met my father again later in life. Um, But in terms of society and how people behave and conduct themselves, I think a lot of what's learned comes from parenting. Of course, we learn from our parents right from the time we're born we take these cues and follow their lead and we trust them to protect us parents are everything and uh without them none of us would really have made it you know we needed someone to protect us and feed us and i mean babies don't go to grocery stores on their own but parents are really really special and you know i don't have kids myself um you know but if I did I can only imagine how much I would worry about them all the time um, but for those of you that do you know I hats off to you you know it's quite a responsibility and you're really adding a lot to the world bringing children into it um, but for me I think about how parenting impacts the lives of others and those around them through the behavior of the child now adult Um, So the things that we learn early on in life typically carry on into adulthood. So, you know, if we're raised as a good person, we'll probably not end up in jail and we won't steal and we won't lie or cheat, you know. But if we were raised to, you know, to win at all costs, let's say, then, you know, that person might have been taught to cheat or Lie or manipulate the situation to their benefit. It all comes down to what you've learned, you know? And, uh, where else are you going to learn? Social media? Television? Parents are really, ultimately, the controllers of the message. And they can choose how they want to do it, for better or worse, depending upon what type of people they are, I suppose. But it really seems to vary. Um... So I'm always trying to figure out why people are so different in different ways and how different generations are and things like that. I'm fascinated by things like that. And I think back to my own parenting from my mother and my father. And uh, you know, I thought it might be kind of fun to talk about it and share a little bit of some experiences and memories that I have and lessons that I've learned from both my mother and my father. I'm going to try to keep my grandparents out of this, which is really difficult, because quite frankly, they were more like my parents than my own parents, and they, uh, God rest their souls, they were amazing people, just amazing people, so there will definitely be another episode dedicated to them, Uh, but for now, I just wanted to talk about my mom and dad, and also, of course, our other moms and dads out there in the context of parenting and what it means, the impact it has, the lasting effect it will have, not just in your life, but on the lives of everybody that child touches. It's pretty powerful, and one of the things that I am so thankful for, for whatever the reason, um, of my three brothers, I seem to be the one that really cares about truth and justice. Which is kind of ironic. My middle brother was a police academy explorer. Once upon a time, he was going to be a cop. But certain things changed that. Now he's a pilot. And then my oldest half-brother, he's retired now, but he went into college to be an architect and ended up becoming an executive and king in Levi Strauss. So, you know, good for them. But between the three of us, except for my oldest half-brother. My my brother and I had the same father and the same mother, but we're so incredibly different. And it really is quite striking. Um, I noticed through the years a few times that my middle brother doesn't remember things the way that I do. And it really kind of caught me at first because I was young and didn't really understand the potential of what that meant. But I, I distinctly remember certain things that I've brought up or mentioned when my brother and I you know used to be connected and and he would straight up deny, deny that it ever happened. And I know that I remembered the experience happening exactly the way that I remember it. So you know for someone to tell me that it didn't really happen like that um, you know is uh, confusing to say the least for a younger person especially. and then my oldest brother, Well, I'm not even going to go there, man, but, (laughs) yeah, yeah, fairness is not his strong suit, let's just say that, Um, but I am constantly reminded because of my lack of family, you know, that I'm on my own in the world, but at least I have good values to take out and share and I'm not gonna cheat someone, I'm not gonna hurt them, you know, unless it's in self-defense or something like that. I don't have an agenda that takes away from other people, and I believe that I learned that from the values that my mom taught me. And, uh, you know, we might not be the best of friends these days at all. I will say that my mother is responsible for some of the greatest attributes that I have and I'm very proud of that. You know, I'm proud to be an honest person. You know, I'm proud to prioritize other people and I'm proud to be, you know, a bit of an empath towards others. You know, I'm proud to have the patience to wait and not be one of those people that needs to be first. And I think all of those things came from my mother. And uh, from an early, from the earliest memories of childhood, you know, I do remember lessons that she taught me and they always stuck with me. And to me, it always seemed to mean the most, you know, it's, it was always my thought growing up that as long as I followed these lessons and stuck true to, you know, my truth and lived by these values without compromise that everything in life would just work out, you know what I mean? Like, it just, that's what I thought, you know, wasn't the case, but nonetheless, um, you know, just having that sense of uh, knowing that, you know, I'm not a criminal, Um, I'm not the person that you have to worry about, You know what I mean? I like that. And there's a lot of people out there that can't say that. You know, they're proud to be the criminal and, you know, to trick you or whatever. And uh, that's just pretty crazy stuff, you know. And I don't get it, you know. I'm not sure what types of parents a person has that enables someone to go and hurt someone else or kill them or any number of other things, uh, rob them, you know, hit them for no reason. I mean it's crazy, but it's on social media almost every day, people doing stuff like this, and I mean I didn't, you know, I didn't learn to operate like that so how did that other person get those things in their brain that made it possible for them to go out and harm other people and lie and cheat and steal wow, I don't know but, I mean, maybe I'll get a chance to interview somebody that can explain it to us, but you know, I, uh, <clears throat> I do have to be really grateful and, um, you know, the, the things that I can't change in myself and wouldn't if I could, you know, and those are my values and beliefs and, you know, systems of operation in life. You know, for me, it's more important to be present and truthful, even accountable when the situation calls for it. But, you know, the reality is, I don't do anything wrong, so I don't get into any trouble. And, uh, that's because of my values. And so, you know, thank you to my mother. She'll probably never hear this, but I'm really grateful for that. And that's something that I'll always cherish. And till the day I die, will always be a part of me that I'll forever be thanking you for in my heart. And, uh... You know, that's um, something I think that all parents should hear. I would like to think that parents get to hear their children saying, hey, thanks for teaching me to be the right kind of person. You know, that that's good. Now, I will say, though, in my situation, my mother took a left turn, and I do mean left, and I do mean turn, and it was fast. And uh, our entire, what was left of our small little family, after everybody else had perished, um, you know, she literally single-handedly destroyed our family, between her and my oldest brother, and my middle brother, for that matter. It's crazy. I'm telling you, like, my family life is awful, just awful. Um, But when I think of it, you know, I can still be grateful for the things in childhood, because that's before the bad stuff started. You know, that was before all the harsh realities of adulthood, and realizations of false perceptions that I had, and being mature enough to see through all the lies that I was told, all of the gaslighting that took place, man, like, why didn't they do all that stuff when I was a kid? I would have believed it, you know, but they waited till I was older, and once I started seeing what was going on, you know... I started asking questions and that was the end of it. Uh, It's really strange to me. You know, my two brothers, same mother, you know, completely different values. Don't understand, you know. They're not even willing to talk or be accountable for any of their behavior. Um, The truth is unbelievable and awful and I can't talk about it on this podcast. It shocks me to no end that I came from the same womb that these two other people did. And we are so diametrically different and really opposite. You know, um, I still get sad thinking about family a lot. And I'm 100% sure that these people are just glad that I'm gone. No more questions, you know and I don't really have to explain what it means when someone has a question and it gets refused you know it's pretty simple psychology to understand that you don't need to be a neuro-linguistic programming expert to understand you know what that means but I found out I found out the hard way so that's that um It's weird how things change. And uh, I told you I wasn't going to speak about my grandparents, but I am going to mention, you know, my mother's an only child. And perhaps that's a big part of the problem. But her parenting was stellar. I mean, she had help her entire life. She had loving, attentive parents that cared more about her than they did themselves. And that was the example they set for her. That was the example they set for me, and I was the only one in the family to follow it. And that got me kicked out of my own family. So, you know, um, I know it could be worse, but if you think your situation sucks, maybe it does, but I live with this pain every day, and it is terrible. So let's get on to a more positive subject. My father... My father, oh boy, thank God. Um, He sure made up for some things. Um, I was born to a whole family. My mom and uh, dad were married. And by the time I was 18 months old, thereabouts, from what I understand, they got divorced. And then we moved from Virginia to, um scottsdale arizona actually not too terribly far from where i am now at the time my dad was finishing up his career in the army as a jazz band leader he, uh, he was a jazz band leader in something called the army jazz showmobile and i guess that was a thing back in the day at fort Houston virginia um, that's where he used to be based and um My family originated there, I guess. Me and, uh, you know, I originated there in Virginia. That's where they made me. Uh, Made in Virginia. So my father was not around much. They got divorced. He was gone. I didn't even know who he was or what he looked like until around the age of 11. And I remember my mother tricked him into coming back. I don't know how she found him, but somehow she found him He was in Redlands. We were living in Irvine at the time, and uh, she found him and told him that my older brother, my middle brother, was in trouble with the police, which is, you know, quite a crock of shit because he was a police explorer, and uh, he wasn't in trouble with the police. He was learning to become a police. (laughs) So, big difference. But anyway, it tricked my father into coming back, and she did it for me, and uh, I do remember the day that She made that decision, actually. It's really strange how we remember certain flashes of childhood. And um, I'm going to share one of those memories with you right now. So I remember one day I was 9 or 10, you know, close to 11 anyway. And I remember asking my mom, you know, do I have a dad? And she looked at me and we were driving. I think she was taking me to school. And, uh, she said, yes, you have a dad. And I said, well, where is he, you know? And doesn't he love me? And why don't I ever see him? And I'm only guessing that that must have touched her heart. And she realized that it was better for me to have an interaction with my father than for him not to be a part of my life. So thank you for making that decision. That was a good decision for me. And, um... So anyway, one day, I remember coming home from school and I was about 11. I remember that I was 11 because that was the age when I started smoking marijuana. (laughs) And uh, I was taking Ritalin for hyperactivity until one day, the high school kids started trading me for my pot, or for pot. So I got pot, they got Ritalin, everybody's happy. I got to be relaxed. It was cool. So my father showed up after that time, and um, one day I remember walking into our apartment and seeing this guy sitting on the couch. I still have a picture of it. Um, Maybe I'll post it on my website so that you can see it. But uh, my father was a beatnik and a very interesting cat. And the first time I ever saw him, he was wearing wearing bell-bottom jeans with flowers embroidered in them. And he was wearing a really cool looking kind of denim top with flowers, you know, like sewn into them. He was an interesting dude. He had a big white beard and, you know, older skinny tall guy. And I didn't know who the hell he was. I remember walking in the house and seeing him sitting there. And I was like, mother, who's that? And uh, she said, it's your father. I was like, what? And so, wow. You know, it was the first time in my life I got to see my dad. And that was a really, really big deal. And um, honestly, my father really gave me a lot that my mother couldn't. And I'm so grateful that he was a part of my life. But it all started that day. And, you know, to me, he looked a little weird because I had never seen anybody like that. He drove an old, funky country squire station wagon i'll never forget (laughs) this funky old kind of green almost looked like the brady bunch station wagon it was that kind of car but it was full of cigarette butts and trash and empty coffee containers he was a free spirit you know he didn't care about stuff like that but so this day when i was around i was 11 it was somewhere in my 11th year of life um You know, my mom went to bed, and my father and I, you know, I was young and hyperactive, mind you, and he had never been around that, so this was like probably my mom was having a good giggle about that. As she went to bed, she's like, Oh, yeah, motherfucker, have fun. (laughs) And uh, sure enough, that's exactly what happened. So that night, um, I'll never forget this, but it was really cool. It, It was one of the more positive memories of having a really special connection with my father but it was also the first so on this first night that he was there I think you know I normally went to bed at the time you know 10 o'clock at night maybe 9 or 10 that's when I normally went to bed right and uh, maybe 11 I don't know but I remember back in those days My mom let me stay up an extra hour for every year that I was alive, so every birthday I got an hour extension on my TV time at night, which was kind of a cool little thing, and she was really smart to do that. That was very clever. It worked. So on this particular night, I just wouldn't go to sleep. I wanted to get to know my dad, and I was talking his ear off and blah, blah, blah. We were having all kinds of fun just hanging out, and that was it you know it wasn't anything weird or anything like that but then out of nowhere he he was so matter of fact about it he said son he goes I beg your pardon but I need you to excuse me I'm gonna go outside on the porch and smoke a joint right now you're welcome to come with me if you'd like to (laughs) and holy crap man i grin from ear to ear cuz I had already started smoking at the time. Of course I went out on the porch and smoked the joint with him. And that was the beginning of a bond that honestly I would never be the same without. You know, that that bond that we had is responsible for a lot of my maturity and spiritual awareness and self-regulation and um a bunch of different stuff. I'll get into that in a moment. But so we went out on the porch and smoked that joint, right? And uh, it was great. And we had a really good time. And so next thing you know, we're down at the hot tub in the apartment complex at like 2 in the morning. And uh, me and my dad, and I had never been down. I never even get to go out that late, you know? So like going to the hot tub with my dad was really, really cool. And we had a really good time that night. We stayed up almost all night just talking and joking. It was really, 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 really special for me. And uh, to be honest, you know, I miss him quite a bit. But I have to be thankful for the time that we did have. And uh, so that... That day, you know, was the beginning of my relationship with my father, and it worked out great. You know, he ended up uh, coming to live nearby and got a job nearby so he could be part of my life. And he was a solid part of my life for, gosh, five years, something like that, until I got into high school. And then somewhere in high school, he's like, you know, you don't really need me right now. I'm going to go back to Florida, because he was born in, in, um, Lakeland. I always want to say Mulberry, but it's Lakeland, Florida. He was born and he died in Lakeland, Florida, too. And uh, it's crazy. He was born and died in the same place. But, so he left to go back to Florida, and I was going through high school and having a good time and doing my thing, you know. But I really missed my dad. And so, when, um, You know, when it came time to graduate, I decided to go and live with him in Florida. And that was a really great decision because it was the first and only time I really ever moved out on my own. But I also was getting to, you know, have a really cool bond with my father and continue that relationship that we started years past. So I moved to Florida, and I remember, um, you know, the experience getting there. Um, That's a great story in itself. Maybe I should tell it really quick. Yeah, I guess it's story time. Um, So I'm just getting out of high school. I was working at this place called Godfather's Pizza. I was a delivery driver at the time, and I had made plans to go to Florida on a Monday, and I think my last day at that job was on a Friday. Uh, Just preceding the Monday that I was planning to leave I was planning to drive all the way across the country by myself I had never done that before I was super scared. I was only like 18. So I was nervous So the very last this is the crazy thing about how life works sometimes the very last delivery that I had that day was to a law office in that law office I Had been in maybe a dozen times before It was a really neat old building, and I always liked the architecture. And that particular day, I commented on the fact that I won't be seeing it anymore and that I'll miss it, you know. I like coming to your office. It's really cool. And, you know, um, and they're like, oh, where are you going? I'm moving to Florida. Oh, really? Oh, okay. And so I started talking to the lady in the front about it, and then some other lady came out, and it was a fairly attractive Asian woman. Very attractive, actually and she came out and paid me and i'd never met her before and she was like one of the lead attorneys or something like that and older lady so i told her i was going to florida and she goes oh really whereabouts and i was like i'm going to orlando and she goes really i need to go to jacksonville and i'm like what are you kidding um do you want to go with me i'm leaving on monday and i'd love to have somebody to help me drive and I don't know how it worked out, but like I went from like the last delivery to um, taking this lady out the next day. I took her out somewhere to dinner, and then I took her to a movie so we could make sure we were comfortable together. And then took her to meet my grandparents and my mom, who I lived with at the time. And it was fun telling them, "Yeah, I'm going to take this Asian lady with me across the country." <laughs> oh, I could only imagine what they were thinking But they were right They were so right <laughs> So this lady liked me And um, agreed to go with me So I went and picked her up on Monday morning At her house And she had her You know, little suitcase And a couple of things And I had all of my stuff packed in the car And I think I might have even been pulling a trailer um, And so, you know We get in the car and we start driving And we made it Mm, right about to the Nevada line, or Arizona? Do you pass through Nevada that part? No, no, no. We were on the ten, so it was, I believe, Arizona. But we were just getting ready to leave California. Yeah, I think it was getting into Arizona. And I was like, Hey, you know, I'm a high school kid, remember? And um, I was like, Hey, I just uh, wanted to let you know that I don't want you to be uncomfortable or anything, but I'm, I'm going to be smoking a little bit of pot while we're driving. <laughs> I told her, and she's like, oh, marijuana. She goes, I haven't smoked pot in like 20 years. And I'm like, oh, okay, great, you know, no problem, didn't think anything of it. So we're driving along, and everything's great. And so I would stop every now and then and do my little pit stop, and, uh, you know, she would get hungry. It was pretty funny and cute all at the same time, even for a young guy like me at the time. (laughs) She'd say, oh, I'm so hungry. I need to eat. (laughs) And so every time I would stop, it would be followed by her having a little snack. And so we made it to Fort Stockton, Texas. We made it all the way from San Diego to Fort Stockton, Texas. And uh, that was cool. And we found a little motel there and got two beds and everything. And we went in the room and, you know, got unpacked. I'm sitting there doing my thing, smoking, of course. I was a young stoner. And uh, she got out of the shower and came over and asked for lotion to be put on her back and I'm not saying another word but all I'm going to tell you is that we had the greatest time ever five days it took (laughs) getting across that country but um, it was totally awesome what a great experience what a great experience so you know you just never know you just never know um, what's going to happen so I ended up dropping her off in Jacksonville Really late at night. We made it there at like midnight or something. And I remember driving to Orlando from there, and there was some really great jazz music playing on the radio. And I was listening to that, so excited about seeing my father again. And oh man, it was great. And I remember getting to my dad's place. It was an apartment up on the top floor of some building somewhere. And um, he was always like a maintenance engineer. So wherever he lived he was always the guy that was the leader of fixing everything and he was like a magician like the chris angel of mechanical engineering he could do things that other people couldn't understand and it was really neat to watch him work because he had a gift it was significant like he could literally walk in after a team of people have been there trying to fix the problem and hit the thing in the right spot and make it work. Like, he was that kind of guy, like the Fonz, almost. He really was amazing. So I finally got to his apartment. It was late at night. You know, we had a nice little welcome home smoke session, and that was the beginning of, um, well, the rest of our lives together because, you know, um, I mean, a long story short, I ended up uh, spending... I guess about three, two, three years there in Orlando, and um, I, I don't know what it was, like I must have been crazy to think this, but I was jonesing for California so much because of the mountains and the beach and stuff, and I had a really good life in Orlando, like I had friends, I had a really amazing girlfriend, she was the one that got away, it was definitely the one that got away, such a shame. But I left it all to go back to California. And then so he ended up moving to California for a while again, my father. And we ended up spending time together there again. We lived together for another year or whatever it was, two years. And then he ended up going back to Florida. But um, what I'm driving at is that the experience with my father really filled in some gaps that I don't think would have been possible I mean even if my mother had a book like that explained step by step how to tell me you know from a father's perspective there's no way she could pull that off she's she's a mother right and uh, this is way before the times of people pretending to be whatever they want um this is when mothers were mothers and fathers were fathers all right so let's just keep that straight um so there was no identifying as anything people were people period Um, But my father taught me about metaphysics And that was the most important lesson I think I've been carrying through my life And it's come in handy in so many different ways And uh, I believe in divine protection I've seen it happen Right up close and personal in my own life There are at least three or four times That terrible things should have happened to me And I've, I've been shot at I've been attacked, Uh, I've had some bad things happen here and there, but somehow or another, honestly, I feel like God just opened the door and said, go, and I just got to walk right through it. And I think that that has a lot to do with the metaphysical teachings of my father. To give you an example, and this is a true story, so um, feel free to comment on it, but it's absolutely true. Uh, my grandmother confirmed it and before my grandmother died if she confirmed anything you'd know it was true that's how you knew (laughs) if she said it was true then it's true and it was true but apparently just before i was born somewhere in 1970 or 71 i was born in december um my father apparently had a tumor on his lungs and uh it was a big one like the size of a golf ball and he smoked like a chimney Uh, he was in the korean war he fought for our country god bless him but he smoked like a chimney man like when i lived with him he'd smoke two or three packs a day like i don't know how he did it but he did and uh so he had um you know a really serious medical issue that could have killed him and so apparently as the story goes And I've heard this story a few different ways, and I do believe it to be true, especially after the other things that I saw my father do while living with him. So, um, apparently, the day before, when he was, you know, admitted to the hospital, they did x-rays, and it showed his lung, and sure enough, there was a tumor on it. And, uh, you know, that's a no-no. So they're like, we have to operate, you know, we're going to prepare you in the morning for surgery. And you're going in to be operated on and you know one thing I learned about my dad is he does not like doctors he never saw the need for doctors and you know with the exception of a few things he didn't seem to need doctors but in this case um, I think you'll understand why he felt that way so the day before it's there on the x-ray plain as day the morning of the operation they came in to get him and he said nope You're not taking me anywhere. We're not going in there, and you're not operating on me because the tumor is gone. And the guy laughed. You know, the doctor thought that was kind of funny. And my dad was pretty matter-of-fact when he wanted to be. And he said, no, you need to do another x-ray because I'm not going in there until you look on the x-ray and see the tumor. So after enough back and forth, they agreed to x-ray him again. So they did, and apparently that caused quite the commotion in the hospital. So one doctor turned into three, turned into six, turned into a dozen. They're all standing around in amazement looking at these x-rays. On the left, the tumor yesterday, right there, clearly visible. This morning, the morning of the operation, not there at all, completely gone. Don't know where it went, but it wasn't there. And so the doctors, in all of their amazement, had no choice but to let him go. So, he, so, the funny part of the story is, apparently, he he called my house, and my grandmother answered the phone, (laughs) and she thought he was calling from beyond the dead. (laughs) Oh, you'd have to know my grandmother to see why that's so funny, but that just sounds hilarious. Um, So they came and picked him up and took him home, and that was that. So. You know, that's the man that was my father. He uh, he was a great man. He, he played jazz with some of the greatest musicians of our time. Uh, Miles Davis, Dizzy Gillespie, Thelonious Monk, Wayne Shorter, Gary Burton, who I met in person with him, and a bunch of others. They were all friends of his at one point in time, and he used to hang out with them and jam and smoke and drink and whatnot in the clubs after hours in the Pocono Mountains. He was was at the top of the game in the jazz scene. He was amazing and uh, I don't really know what happened, but by the time I got to him, he wasn't playing music anymore. He was just doing little goofy things with MIDI keyboards, but nothing else. Um, But he had a Commodore 64 he was doing it on and that was pretty interesting. Um, so anyway, back to my father and and what he brought to my life so, you know, knowing about his musical past, of course I became interested in music and that led me to play bass Um, I played around with his keyboards a lot but I could never really get music theory um, so it didn't really stick but I had fun goofing around with his equipment and he had a drum machine and that was really cool I got to play with that a lot um, and that's kind of how that started but When it came to the evenings, and that was my favorite time of day, because every evening my father and I would sit down and eat, we'd smoke, and we'd hang out and talk. And we'd talk for hours. It was so cool. No television. There was a television sitting right over there. That worked perfectly, but we didn't turn it on, because we didn't need it. We listened to the radio. It was a jazz station that's... um, probably still there in Orlando, the Winter Park area called WLOQ, jazz, I forget the number, but it was something, WLOQ, FM, Winter Park, Orlando, blah, 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 great jazz music, those were the days, they played some really great late night jazz in the mid-90s, it was about the time I was there, and, um, so... My father and I would discuss different things, but it would always be in some kind of way where I could learn something, and he was really good about that. So, like, he would always teach me something, even though he'd have stories and a little bit of embellishment here and there to make it a little spicy and interesting. Um, But he would always teach me something, and that really stuck with me, and I could feel the love, you know, and... um, The things that he gave to me through those experiences are so built into my nature that, you know, I really kind of struggle to describe them, but they're there and they're just part of who I am, and I'm grateful for that. I would say that my father came in at just the right time to help my life Stay on the right path. I would never have considered a life of criminality or anything like that. That just was never in my nature. But he taught me how to look at things from a spiritual perspective and to see life as something that is not only joyful, but um, something we have more control over than a lot of people think. So one of the examples i was looking for comes to mind now um when i was living with him in florida we needed a car for me he had a car but i needed a car because it was time for me to go get a job and you know go off into the world and do my thing and so we didn't know where we were going to get a car there was no internet back then christ we didn't even have cell phones he had a pager That's how long ago that was. This was early on in my living with him, actually. I'm just kind of bouncing around. Um, He said, son, I'm going to show you something. And I want you to remember how this works. And I want you to understand that you can do this at any time. And I'm going to tell you how once it happens. And he said, you need a car, right? And I said, yes. And he goes, "Okay, we need the right car, though, don't we? And I said, yeah. And we need it to be for the right price right because he was the only one with money i didn't have a job so he was paying for the car and i said of course and and we need it now right and i said of course yes he goes okay he goes son i'm telling you right now that your car is not only on the way but it'll be here in just a few days and i'm like huh and he goes just watch wait and see and so, you know, I was very intrigued by this. I'm like, well, what the hell is he talking about, you know? And so, sure enough, it wasn't but just, gosh, I don't remember the exact days, but it was It was within a week, maybe just a couple days. But it was, it was definitely within a week, I remember that. He came home for lunch one day, and uh, he goes, Son, uh, I found your car. And I'm like, huh? And he goes, yeah, would you like to see it? <laughs> And I said, well, shit, of course, I was so excited. Are you kidding? Yes, I want to to marry it. I don't want to just see it. I want to make love to it, or at least in it. Um, But remember, I was younger back then. Um, So we went out on the porch, and he pointed right over to the car that we had, I mean, it had been there for a long time. And uh, the person drove it to and from work. It was right outside our apartment the whole time. He goes, there it is. And it was like two spots away from our apartment. And I'm like, what? And he goes, yep. Um, I just, he, he had a maintenance call in an apartment where the lady was a teacher or some kind of administrator at a school or something like that. And she was moving and she wanted to sell her car. And she sold it to him for half of the Blue Book value. Um, amazing. So there it was, and that was the first example he set for me about how the law of attraction works and how we can really draw circumstances to ourselves or us to the circumstances or, you know, bring those two things together in some way Um, outside of logical thought. You know, this, this really caught me off guard, and especially as a younger person, it really... Captivated my imagination. You know, geez, if it works like that, you could do anything, right? And so I started to practice things like, um, you know, I used to read a lot of books by Richard Bach. I still got them all right here. Um, but one of the books um, that I really liked of his is called Illusions, and it's a pretty cool book. And uh, then Bridge Across Forever and One, and there's just a lot of good stuff in there. But somehow or another, that and reading some don quixote and carlos castaneda um, got me thinking about like you know touching pine tree needles to collect energy and to feel the energy transference from the tree to my body which i did and it's real if you've never done it go find a pine tree right now go out to the pine tree close your eyes touch the tips of the pine needles with your hands and sit there and relax and you tell me you don't feel something I couldn't believe it but anyway, that was one of my first things and then the other thing was cloud vaporization so my uh, father and somebody else that I was reading about was mentioning something about this and my father especially is like you know what, he said you might not believe this but you can make clouds disappear with your thoughts and I was like, what? clouds disappear, come on man And so, you know, maybe you just sit around and wait long enough. I don't know, but he got me into thinking about that. So I was, like, sitting out there, laying by the, you know, little pond and looking up at the clouds, and uh, the trick was to remove it from your mind. And that was the key. And, uh, you know, whether it's my imagination or not, I don't know, but I saw more than one cloud disappear, I can tell you that. And, speaking of which, I almost forgot... Back to the lesson, Um, I mentioned that my father was going to tell me why it worked the way that it did with the car um, attraction. He told me that if you can focus yourself into the space of already having received the gift that you're looking to receive, or something that you need, or even want in that case, but especially things that you need, you can ask the universe for that, but it's very important that you see yourself as already having it so in his mind when he told me about it he already had the car like in his mind it was already done and my lesson was wow so if I focus in this way then I can have an impact on the circumstances of my life that is pretty amazing and so that one lesson there of course spawned into many many others and so many dinners with really fun people great times sharing and just laughing and having a good time but you know um, without my dad I just don't even know who I'd be today so you know for any fathers that are out there don't underestimate your importance to your children you know I'm sure girls feel the same way that boys do but you know dads are really important because they provide something that balances us out as children, and I'm grateful for that, very grateful. Um, You know, it's um, really a shame that my father's not alive today, because there's a lot of things that he would really enjoy, but, you know, his time was through uh, many years ago, and, you know, he'll never really get to see some of this stuff, but If I could just tell him one thing, I think it would be thank you. I just really thank him and his life for, you know, making an effort to really be there as a solid role model and a man in a young boy's life who needed a man in his life. So, you know, God rest his soul, but thank you, Dad. So, I guess to wrap this up, it's about time, right? It's been a while. Um, without our parents, we'd be so lost. If we were just sit in a room by ourselves and we were never given any attention or any interaction, no love or affection for the first few years of our life, we would probably have some very disturbing trauma and experiences from that. But The child that gets the love And attention and the proper Direction and guidance, protection And admiration You know Is going to grow up to be A healthy minded individual And you know Maintain their values and whatnot. So you know It's up to you parents, what are you going to do um, I trade to be a parent of a millennial I can tell you that Like the things that I've seen of that generation, wow! I've got questions, but I'm not from that generation. Uh, I wouldn't mind skipping back a couple and being born two generations ago. That would be kind of cool, but that's not how it is. I didn't ask to be born, but here I am. So, I guess ultimately, this is just a message about how parents are so important in our lives and. You know the things that they do they might not even realize have incredible lasting value you know things that i didn't remember tonight i will remember later and want to come back and talk about but you know that's what i get for winging it i like to wing it so here we are the bottom line is i'll never ever undervalue the benefit that that has had in my life and i'm really grateful for it think the next time I talk about this it's going to need to be my grandparents because they were the one example that lived true until the day they died like they were they were never ever ever wavering on truth Christian love you know supporting the family they were real and very dedicated to that their entire lives were dedicated to our family and after all that The remaining three people that are alive in my family got together and destroyed what was left. That's the crazy irony of the whole thing. So the very same person that I learned some of these things from that I'm so proud of as an individual doesn't even know that I have those qualities. My own mother is so out of touch and completely tuned out of my life that she doesn't even know that I'm a good person. It's really sad and it hurts me to even think about it's awful. Parents, don't ever turn your backs on your children because it will scar them for life and uh, no matter how much counseling I go through no matter what I try to fix it, this ain't going away and um, I really wished it would, to be honest with you. I don't need to deal with this stuff, but that's what happens, you know? Um, sometimes people make terrible choices, and those terrible choices have an impact on other people's lives. It's too bad they don't care about the impact or the lasting effects, you know? That's a shame. But it is what it is, so... We'll just, uh... Leave it at that. And just say, you know, can't fix everything. But uh, anyway... So that's that. I'm going to close now. Um, thank you for listening to me ramble on about this stuff. Uh, be a good parent, love your kids, set good examples, represent truth, justice, patriotism, and love. Demonstrate those things because children learn and they will act out on those things that they learn, good, bad, or otherwise. So that's it for this evening. Thank you for tuning in to The Toddcast Show. If you found today's episode helpful and meaningful, don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss out on what's next. Remember that The Toddcast Show is all about community and connection, so follow the podcast on your preferred social platform to keep updated on everything I have in store. Check out ToddcastShow.com to find out more. Be sure to tell your friends and family about The Toddcast Show so the podcast family can continue to grow and share on an international level. Thank you very much for tuning in. See you over on the next episode. Hi, I'm Todd Murat, host of the Toddcast Show, and I want to share something personal with you today. Throughout my own life, I've struggled with issues I didn't even realize I had. Things like depression, past trauma, PTSD, and feeling disconnected from the people I loved the most. It took me hitting rock bottom to realize I couldn't fix myself alone. I needed help to unravel the tangled knots within my life, find myself again, and become stronger in the areas I was weakest. It wasn't an overnight transformation, but with time, I learned to change my thinking, my attitudes, and my entire paradigm for the better. I learned that it's good to ask for help, and that's why I want to tell you about our sponsor, Better Help. Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode of the ToddCast show. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and the best part, it's 100% online. You can participate from anywhere, anytime that works for you. It's simple to get started. Simply answer a few questions about your specific needs and personal preferences in therapy, and BetterHelp will match you with the perfect therapist from their network. It's really that easy. You can message your therapist anytime you need support and schedule a live session when it's convenient for you. BetterHelp is committed to ensuring that you find the perfect match to guide you along your journey to well-being. As someone who went through therapy and came out way ahead of where I started, I want to invite you to take this step to a healthier, happier you today. My life was transformed through therapy, and yours can be too. With BetterHelp... You get the same professionalism and quality you'd expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is hand-picked for you, all at a shockingly affordable price. And as a special offer for our listeners, you'll get 10% off your first month by using the special link. BetterHelp.com forward slash Toddcast. That's BetterHelp.com forward slash Forward slash Todcast. You don't have to face life's challenges alone. BetterHelp is here to support you through the big and small issues of your life in a way that can really make a huge difference, both short and long term. Take the first step towards a healthier, happier you. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash Todcast to get started today.